Let's pray. Father in heaven, we've come today seeking a hero. Lord, reveal him to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we start this week where we ended last Sabbath, at the throne. We were in Revelation chapter 4 last week, and we talked about this amazing scene at the throne, and, and we did something at the very end of the service where we all got involved, because apparently that's how worship goes at the throne. It's a participation sport, uh, not a spectator sport. And so I want to start today where we ended last week, because we need to get our minds back to where we were so that we can understand what comes next. So here's what we need to do. If you were here, you remember we did kind of a, a responsive reading kind of thing here. I'm not going to make you take your crown off and kneel this time. We'll, we'll trust that you remember that. If you were here, you do remember that. But uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back over the last part of Revelation chapter 4. And you, you recall there was the part that the four living creatures said, and then there was the part that the elders said. Now I'm going to get the the choir to help me. Actually, yeah, I bet you can't read that back there, can you? No, all right. I guess the choir is not going to help me on that. So, oh, you have a hand up. There you go. There you go. See, Pastor Evan thinks of everything. Very good. So, I want, the choir is going to be the creatures today. So, imagine them covered with eyes and six wings. That's part of the description. I'm not just being weird. That's in the Bible. And they will do that part, and then you respond with the part for the believers. And it'll come up, uh, for the, the part for the 24 elders. It'll come up on the screen. And again, we're going to do it three times so that we get the feel. It says in Revelation 4, they do it without ceasing. But we don't have time for that. So we're going to do it three times so that you get the feel. So are, are you ready, creatures? Very good. All right, here we go. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So this is what it's like at the throne of God. Worship before the throne. Only the one who is worthy can receive the worship of the creatures and the elders when they cry glory and honor and power. Now, did you notice you read it three times? 
What was the basis upon which the one upon the throne is deemed worthy to receive worship? Do you remember? For you created all things. There is always a basis for worthiness. And in the context of the one on the throne, it's the creation that makes him worthy. Now this, I believe, chapter 4, is a description of normal reality at the throne of God. But chapter 5 brings in something new. You see, even in the midst of all this awesomeness, there's a problem. Revelation 5, verse 1. Then I saw, remember John has been taken up there to look into the throne room. He says, Then I saw at the right hand, in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? So now this general scene in heaven has become specific and a mighty angel has pointed out a problem. But what does it mean? What is this scroll that needs opening? Now this problem worsens. Verse 3, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy, there's that word again, who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. No one was worthy. So two questions come to my mind when I read this. First, what does this scroll represent? And second, why is no one worthy? What's taking place here is going to be a little foreign to us because it's not normal to our reality. But if we had been deeply steeped in the culture of Israel, we would immediately recognize what's taking place here. You see, the context of what's happening at the throne on this day is the context of coronation of a king. We go back to the book of Deuteronomy and we can see where this comes from. Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 18 describing how it's supposed to be when a king comes to the throne. Verse 18, when he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priests. It is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. So when the king came to power, he received a crown and he was to write the scroll. And on the scroll was to be the law that explained how he was to interact with the kingdom. Now we see an example of this when Joash comes to the throne. You remember him, the, the young man who came at seven years old after Athaliah for a brief time reigned. Second Kings 11 verse 12, Jehoiada brought out the king's son and put the crown on him he presented him with a copy of the covenant 
and proclaimed him king. They anointed him, and the people clapped their hands and shouted, long live the king. So here's the scene you see. He's crowned king, he receives the scroll, and everyone praises the new king. Anything feel familiar at all about that context? The scroll beside the one on the throne represents all that the Father desires to see done with regards to humanity. It's about our future, our peace, our harmony, our love, and our joy. Inside that scroll is the description of everything we want most. But the problem is we can't get there from where we are. You see, what's in that scroll is the future that Adam lost. And now it's sealed up. And there is no one worthy anymore to take the scroll and unlock the beautiful future that God has in mind. And if no one is found who can open the scroll, then there's no future hope for men or women. All is death and darkness and despair. Do you understand now why John wept and wept? Because no one could open the scroll? You see, what was needed was someone who was worthy. A worthy king who could stand before the Father and take the scroll. Revelation 5, verse 2, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So we've looked at what the scroll represents, and we hinted at why there was no one worthy to open it. Sin took away our worthiness and separated us from what God desired to be reality for us. And if we were to be saved, someone had to come and save us. But who? Verse 5, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep, see The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So we have a hero. And we have a basic description of this hero, his identification. He's mighty from the tribe of Judah. He's connected with David in the line of kings. And he is victorious. He is an overcomer. Now, John hears this description, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the victorious one, and you can imagine the image that's coming to his mind is what he's about to see. But this is one of the things you'll find in the book of Revelation is continually you see this uh, contrast between expectation and reality. How did this hero become worthy? Revelation 5, verse 6, John hears lion, but then he says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, 
standing at the center of the throne. Now here we see these contrasts. He hears lion. He sees lamb. He hears victorious. He sees lamb looking as though it had been slain. Verse seven, Revelation 1, 17 captures this idea, and we read this before, back at the beginning of this whole series, Jesus describing himself. He says, John saw him. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. So how did the hero become worthy? Revelation 5, verse 6, Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So now if you haven't figured the scene out yet, and I know you have, it's Jesus, right? And he is deemed worthy to take the scroll. But what exactly are we looking at here in this passage? There are specific hints in this that there was a correlated event that took place on the earth. But simply put, what we are seeing here is what happened on the other end after Jesus ascended into heaven. Now think about this from John's perspective. He remembers standing there on the Mount of Olives with the disciples and watching Jesus go up. But now, in vision, he's seeing what happened when Jesus got where he was going. Actually, it's not narrowly just the arrival, but in fact, the moment when Jesus is officially proclaimed worthy, crowned king, and given the scroll of authority and covenant. It's amazing to think John got to see both ends of this experience. And you know what's great about being us? We get to see both as well. I don't want to overplay this, but I believe we can connect this event that was taking place in heaven with an event that took place on earth as well. Note this from verse 6. The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, the seven horns represent the fullness of authority. And we've heard mention of the seven spirits of God before in chapter 4 when they were described in chapter 4 as being before the throne. But now, suddenly, notice what happens. With the arrival of Jesus, the seven spirits are no longer around the throne. Where are they now? They are sent out into all the earth. Does anybody remember how Jesus said to the disciples that they were to go to Jerusalem after he ascended, go to Jerusalem and wait until the coming of the Holy Spirit? 
Does anybody remember when the Holy Spirit first came upon the disciples in great power? It was Pentecost, wasn't it? Pentecost, the earthly manifestation of the coronation of Jesus as king. So how did Jesus become the only one in all of heaven and all the earth to be worthy to take the scroll? Well, the passage tells us, verse 8, And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song. Listen to the words of this song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. A couple of things to notice here. First, he takes the scroll, and immediately, the moment he takes the scroll, something new happens at the throne. Revelation 4 has described normal at the throne. But in this moment, when the Lamb takes the scroll, something happens that has never happened before at the throne of God. The living creatures and the elders then gather around the one who takes the scroll and they bow down before the Lamb. And they sing a new song. Not because they're tired of the old one, but because up until this point, this song could not be sung yet because it wasn't true yet. But now it can be sung because finally there is a hero who is worthy. And why is he worthy? Verse 9, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. You see, by dying for our sins, Jesus overcame and became worthy. And as the only one worthy in all of heaven and earth, he rose again in power that he might sit down with his father on his father's throne. No one else was worthy. Only Jesus. Jesus is the hero at the throne of God. Only he is worthy. Chapter 4 tells us that the Father was worthy of worship because he created all things. But chapter 5 tells us the Lamb, the Son, Jesus is worthy because he died for our sins and saved our future, written in the scroll. But you see, this is too great of a truth 
for me to proclaim alone. And so I'm going to need your help again. And I'm going to ask Pastor Evan to come back up here. And the choir is going to help us out as well on this. We're going to do something again here. And so we're going to have the choir stand. And they're going to help you read this next part out loud. Because you see, this is what's proclaimed by the living creatures and the elders. And since we already did that at the beginning, we need to stay consistent with what we're doing here. So you need to proclaim this with me. And we're going to go through it one time, but you're not going to say it with enough feeling the first time. So we're going to do it twice, because this is praise for the hero at the throne of God. So we're going to do this twice, and then I'm going to read some more narration, and we'll go on from there. So here we go. Revelation 5, verse 9 Read this with me, and the choir's going to help us as well, and then we're going to repeat it again when we're done. Here we go. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Okay, I'm getting lots of living creatures, but I'm not getting so much elders, all right? So here's your chance. You've had your practice. We're praising Jesus here. And we're stating the reason out loud in this place why he is worthy of praise. So let's do it like we mean it. Here we go. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. All right, and then John narrates again, verse 11, And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, which is in heaven and on the earth 
and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped it is the apocalypsis Jesu Christu the revelation of Jesus Christ he alone is worthy he is the hero at the throne of God Paul said it well who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father so I say to God be the glory great things 
he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he hath done.
What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.